Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode 213 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I am here, as always, to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to go out in trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks for being with us and thanks for listening to the podcast this week. Now a quick little bit of insider info before we get into today's episode. Here at MTB Tribe we are super excited to introduce you all to our new brand called Alta. Now Alta is a range of mountain bike clothes and accessories dedicated to making mountain biking easier. It is designed to help you get out in the trails warmer, drier, more comfortable and get home without destroying the interior of your car or just simply to get changed warm and feel more comfy and more apt to go out in those dirty, cold, wet, snowy, drizzly days. Days where you just don't feel up to it. But if you had the right gear to get you on the saddle, it may just make you go out or give you the motivation you need to get out on the trail keep the pedals pushing and go out and enjoy some good time with your buddies because we know it's always better once you get below the trees right so at Alta we're trying to do things a little differently in the MTB market we are trying to produce a range of clothing that is very very environmentally friendly all our stuff is either recycled organic maybe a bit of both and use water-based inks recycled packaging all that kind of stuff we're trying to do this right for the environment that we love so much to get out into and enjoy so please if you can take some time go and check us out at ridealta.com you can follow us on instagram at ride.alta or if you want some insider scoops and certain things we'll be getting up to and more products we'll be developing in the near future just sign up to our newsletter we're a small irish based brand but our range is growing steadily with the support of a fantastic group of mountain bikers across Ireland and the UK. So for anybody that's already got involved, I just want to say a big thank you. There is loads more coming in the near future, so please stay tuned. Now let's get on to the show. In this week's episode, it is my pleasure to welcome Janine Bourbonnet onto the podcast. Janine is the founder and owner of Whistler's performance bike and snowboard shop called Evolution Whistler. Janine opened the store in 1995 when she was only 21 years of age, has grown it over the years to become the go-to store in Whistler and don't even get me started with the number of pros that have worked there that come through there every time they visit Whistler. The list is outstanding uh, we do get into that in the podcast we chat to Janine about that it's amazing so we get into how Janine started the store how it has changed over the years what Whistler's like as a biking and snow destination the best time of the year to visit and there's some little inside secrets there and why it is just so rad to live there plus lots lots more you know I'm a big fan of Whistler if you've listened to the show and you know I think it's the mountain biking destination on the planet um, we all should go there we all should have it in our bucket lists so There's no better person to speak to on this subject than Janine. So without further ado, let's get Janine on the podcast. Let's hear more about Whistler and welcome Janine onto the MTB Tribe podcast. 
Hi, Janine. Welcome to the MTB Tribe podcast. It is an honour to have you on the show. How's things with you? Hey, Gareth. Ah, pretty good. Happy Busy days. before the storm here in uh, Whistler World. You're the storm? Well, I mean, it's busy before the storm before the summer storm like yeah we get really busy in the summer right and so it's like it should be quiet before the storm but it's sort of busy before the storm right now <laughs> <laughs> because it's like still awesome winter season going on and biking's going on and all the locals are fired up so yeah it's yeah. good yeah it brilliant. is happy days like you say it <laughs> uh, well it's awesome to get you on uh, you you run a well i was going to say a snowboard snow but it's snow it's mtb it's it's the whole thing there called evolution whistler you have a, a, a beautiful looking store your website's amazing um so we'll get into that I'm, I'm really interested to chat to you about that but first off before we get into the mountain bike stuff how's the snow season been there uh, it's been i would say classic where we have some mega rad storms we had two really good pow sessions like sort of a week long and we had a classic like dry spell of almost a month so that was pretty pretty average i'd say you know we got our we got our fill of pow days we definitely missed it a little bit it snowed really hard last week best day of the season was like april Mm. 4th 5th um 74 centimeters in 24 hours um yeah 50 of it snowed from 3 p.m in the afternoon to 6 a.m the next morning so that is pretty fun to have near the end of the season yeah so it's been pretty good and um uh not a lot of international travelers but still lots of like north american people here this season yeah, so that's cool. Medium busy, medium, medium regular, I'd say. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting what the summer brings. Like, what's what's your whole lockdown set? Yeah, well, I know you're out of that, but you know, are you allowed to travel freely there still, or do you need kind of the passport thing? Ah, oh, it's just ended actually, April eighth. Uh, the passport thing ended for like entering restaurants and public spaces and whatnot, and then I believe it was April first that the international travelers who are double vaccinated no longer need to get that test. Mm. So that was huge. We could see it the the pretty much the day that was announced that it was going to be dropped April 1st, which was about a week before or so, um, that our bookings were coming in for rentals. Like all of a sudden, boom, like for the summer, mm-hmm. as we pre-book for our performance downhill rentals. And performance trail rentals <laughs> but yeah. um but yeah the booking started pouring in and we think it's going to be busy this summer yeah. we think it's going to be really busy because it was quite a hassle to travel as you know we all know the last two years and we're expecting a bit of what's been dubbed revenge tourism coming this summer <laughs> like everyone that didn't get away the last two years is going darn it this year yeah that's <laughs> so it we're, um, we're thinking it's going to be really busy or uh, internationals getting to Whistler who, you know, missed out on their last two years of either like a, a yearly trip they do or that trip they'd finally planned to go to Whistler and didn't make it. We think a lot of people are yeah. coming and we're excited. We're really excited, actually. Happy days. Um, like, do, does your store there, 
I know I'll get into your store a wee bit more in detail, but does your store require kind of travelers or can you just rely on the kind of local market there? Do you, do you need the international guys coming over? Well, uh, my store specifically is pretty well, um, uh, whatever people, a lot of the customers are locals, but I mean, if I had to put a number on it, an average year, we're probably like 25% of our revenue comes from locals. Um, we, we can survive and we proved it in the last couple of years with yeah. way less tourists and really upping our service because the locals who are riding regularly definitely need a lot of service and parts. But the internationals, um, for us specifically, like I said, specifically my business compared to other shops in town, we do performance rentals. And so people who are mountain bikers really hardcore mountain bikers and know what kind of bike they want to ride and potentially want to even leave their bike at home, look at ours and say, oh yeah, I can go there. And we do like custom setups. So the rentals end up being a significant part of our income mm. in the summer. So without the tourists, yeah, we were, we were significantly down the last couple of years. So we can survive. Um, but we don't really profit <laughs> without yeah. tourists. Yeah. So yeah we, we, well. missed, we missed you guys, everybody out there. We really <laughs> missed you. And not only do we miss like the dollars coming in, because I mean, we need to be able to sustain our business if we're going to have one and all work in our shop. But it's also the people who come are so happy to be here. They're so excited. You know, Whistler's a really amazing place to be for biking, for just being here. But there's, you know, we have lakes everywhere. It's gorgeous. There's mountain bikers everywhere. Everybody's here to ride. It's so mm -hmm. much fun. And the the vibe and the enthusiasm is, is really fun for us as well. And so yeah. when you have a whole bunch of locals as like even like local BC people coming, you know, they've all been there before and sure they're happy to be there, but it's like the internationals their minds are blown usually when they're here. So it's, uh, we miss that a bit too. Would you say the mountain biking season's busier than the snow season? Uh, well, it isn't as far as exact numbers go in the park. So like the ski hill in the winter numbers will be significant, like maybe even 10 times higher than the bike park numbers but whistler as a destination for all types of travelers july and august it books out like the hotel rooms book out just like they do in the winter say in like december january or more like january february yeah um, yeah so it's it's it feels as busy like the people in the village and whatnot but but the numbers on the hill are, are significantly lower you know like a big day in the park i, I don't know if my numbers are going to be anywhere correct but say it's like 2500 people whereas like the the record days on whistler blackham in the winter is like 24,000 people oh my word yeah so it's like significantly different number as far as like ex specifically the park but but the actual number of people in the village um, is similar, but yeah, for a time, like it's really just July and August. All you people out there who are listening who might want to go to Whistler, the secrets are June and September. <laughs> Those are the best because July and August is super busy. Yeah, and 
June and September is like half the numbers, really. But in the winter, it's busy from like mid-December to the end of March. So it's it's a longer period. Yeah, everybody listening to this podcast wants to go to Whistler. That's a that's a given. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, guys. That's the tip. June and September. <laughs> yeah, like I don't know how you feel about it there, but here I think in Europe it's, you know, I wouldn't be far off saying it's the capital of the world for mountain biking as far as people over here are concerned. Yeah, I mean it. I, I think it is from you know the years and years of me like reading magazines when I was younger and be like, oh yeah, our home is the, you know, is is featured constantly in all these magazines and and then when I, but when I watch races in Europe, wow, turnouts are huge, huge, huge. That's so exciting, mind you. It seems like Euros really love racing, whereas we are just like the place for all types of mountain biking. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah, no. We're I don't massively... want. I don't want to too too hard, but it's pretty rad here. For sure. Yeah, no, I can understand <laughs> for sure. Um, cool. Like, uh, yeah, I'm sure there's some differences between Europe and there, but um, I, I just, you know, I, I think it's on everybody's bucket list to go to Whistler, either to snowboard or or to mountain bike. Um, I would be happy with either, but both would be fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I get so fired up for the kids who show up for a year. You know, they've got their working holiday visa or whatever, and they're they're here for the winter and then the summer. And, oh, it's just such a great place to be. I get so excited for them. Like, oh, my God, you're going to love the winter. Oh, you're going to love the summer so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yes, coming here for a whole year it is really really fantastic that's actually what our town is built on people who came here for a year and stayed <laughs> yeah um, I, I could see that for sure um like for you personally you were born and raised there were you no i was born four hours away um but we had friends that had a cabin here and so like i grew up in Kamloops, so you know i was buddies with a few of those mountain bikers from Kamloops, wade simmons brad tippy richie schley Oh, my buddy's Chris Shepard was a racer as well. Anyways, so we as a family started coming over here for like a a ski weekend when I was little, like I don't know six or seven. And then you know we'd come once in the summer, once in the winter, and I just loved it. I remember when I was like the the first time I was here, six or seven years old, and it was it's just such a winter wonderland here. Like even compared to Calais, it gets so much snow. I wanted to move here when I was a kid, or I don't know if I wanted to move here. I just was like, wow, this is incredible. I remember looking around just being so overjoyed, like loved it here. And then we come in the summer and it's just gorgeous lakes everywhere. And so that was when I was little. And then when I was, I moved here right when I was 18, came over. Wow. I used to ski race growing up. And so we'd have like our big races here and I loved it so much. I just wanted to be here so badly. So, yeah, as soon as I was able to, I moved over the hill, um, like over the coastal, mount- coastal mountain range from the interior to to Whistler. Yeah, crazy. And, like, you you opened your store there. You opened Evolution Whistler when you were 21 years of age. Is that right? That's right, yeah. That's amazing. Like, <laughs> so you were only, you moved there when you were, what, 18, did you say? Yeah, 18 just turned, ni- I was just about to turn 19 when I moved here that spring. Yeah, so you were there for two years and then you opened a, a freaking s- ski and yeah. bike store. Like, 
tell us about that. That's pretty amazing. Oh, right, I'll try and make the short version for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was into mountain biking instantly, like instantly. I moved here with like a touring bike because my my family was a big athletic family. And um, I literally rode my first mountain bike trail on my touring bike, like the second day I was in Whistler. Wow. And then called up my friend who I knew who worked for Norco and was like, I need a bike. And lucky for me, I didn't know anything about mountain bikes really like component wise and whatnot yet. Mm -hmm. He set me up with one of his bikes, which had been like, it was full XT. Of course it was rigid because it was like 1992. And, uh, it was awesome. I rode that bike every single day. So I got right into mountain biking instantly because I moved here in the spring and loved it and then the next winter I actually went to Japan and worked for a whole year I worked as a ski instructor and I snowboard raced around and back then the yen was quite strong and I saved money so even after going traveling and then moving back to Whistler that uh, fall I was there anyways not quite a year I guess anyways Oh, no, I did. I went for a year. I went for like a winter and then the next spring and then moved back to Whistler. I went back and forth. So I started the season with a bunch of money in my pocket that I'd saved. I was really frugal and um, just going to ski and snowboard all winter. Yes. First day out there, my ACL. <laughs> Literally, top uh. very first run, tear my ACL. So now I've got this like little, little bit of money and, um, this guy that I was dating, wanted to start a mountain bike shop and snowboard shop because he worked in one and there was like very few shops in Whistler. Whistler was like half the size back then, like literally Mm -hmm. actually physically half the size. And there was a lot less shops in general. There'd been a couple snowboard shops, but they'd come and gone. And I was like, okay. I'm hurt. I got surgery like eight days later. I'm going to write a business plan. I'm going to do this with you. And I think it was <laughs> like, oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> sure enough, like all winter long, I went to the gym every day and worked on this business plan. I bought a car, went to the uh, library in Vancouver, which is like a two hour drive to write the business plan. Cause this was like, I had a computer, but I didn't have internet. Wrote the business plan, figured it all out, got a little loan, and literally found this like hole in the wall, terrible space, and told the guy. Well, he knew all along that I'm like, okay, we're ready. <laughs> We've got the lease, and we just like opened the store. We just did it, and wow. yeah, he quit his job like the week before. <laughs> and we just, he was a really good bike mechanic. He still is, and um, we started fixing bikes. We got bought a few and for rental and then oh the coolest thing was that first summer we were in business it was 1995 um these two guys roll through town um on these really cool looking bikes called santa cruz oh wow we saw our shot and we were like core we had you know cool paintings on the wall we were like really focused on service we just had parts and you know we're just fixing bikes right in the middle of the shop like the whole shop was a, a a based around the service thing being in the middle almost like a sushi restaurant where like the the, uh, <laughs> the the chef is in the middle you know the people sit around that was like our shot was like the the tech was in the middle and so we were really core 
And these guys are like, first we we're here from uh, California. There's this new bike brand, Santa Cruz, and full suspension was like just starting. And like, I remember that summer, like the Judy came out, the RockShox Judy. <clears throat> and then uh, we had like the GT, what were those things? Like the LTS one and stuff, like full suspension was just, just coming in. It was all exciting. And these Santa Cruz bikes, they were single pivot and cool. I think there was even like a polished chrome one. So we picked them up immediately. So we had Santa Cruz for, like our first summer. We're like, <laughs> yeah, we'll get a couple of those. And um, basically we just rolled from there. But like I said, I was 21 I, and I played some, a really good game where I didn't sign a lease on the place where I, that I took. Cause I, it was a hole in the wall space. Like I said, I didn't want to stay there. So I, from the day we opened, I was looking for other spaces and I ended up buying the lease off the toy store in the Whistler village. So people that know Whistler from like 30 years ago, know the OG toy store. Like I used to go there as a kid. <laughs> Anyways, I bought that lease and it was really fun for years and years afterwards. He would come and be like, Oh, I was looking for the toy store and I see it's still a toy store, but it's different. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so yeah, we, I just basically started it. And then we knew we were going to be a snowboard shop in the winter because there was quite a few ski shops in Whistler. But really, like I said, there was a couple snowboard shops that had come and gone, A3 and then The Snowboard Shop, um, which closed the year that we started. And then there was uh, Mountain Riders. And there was this tiny little shop called Snow Showcase that was owned by Whistler Blacko, and it was actually over in one of the lodges next to Merlin's at the base okay. of Blacko. It was tiny. And um, so there wasn't really a snowboard, uh, much snowboard shop competition. So that was kind of fun. Like, it also gives a cool side, right? Like, you know, you're a snowboarder. Snowboarding was, was so cool and yeah yeah and right and so it gave like this edgy side to the to the mountain bike shop which is usually um mountain bike and ski mountain bike and ski like everywhere but we're the mountain bike and snowboard shop well the so, two yeah. of them almost sit better together right you know you would think that the snowboarding thing would attract mountain bikers and mountain bike would you know they would flip to a snowboard in the winter yeah well i guess like um well, way back then, sure, snowboarding was was gaining popularity fast. Um, but yeah, you're right. It was more snowboard and skateboard back then, wasn't it? As mm. far as like we're gonna pair two things up. But um, no, no, that's not what you were saying. You were saying snowboard and mountain bike. Anyways, they all yeah, but that that scene, you know that kind of lifestyley scene. Sorry, I'll cut you off there. What was that? <laughs> you're all right. No, like you know, I'm just thinking of the lifestyle, you know, because skateboarding and snowboarding kind of fits that kind of lifestyle as surfing would slot in there if you're on the coast yeah. you know that whole kind of you know lifestyle thing skiing somehow to us here anyway doesn't really fit into that it does but it doesn't you, you know if you're a cool sure. kid you want to be a snowboarder not a skier <laughs> <laughs> well these days we, we're a little bit of everything and that's just awesome like skiing yeah. and snowboarding has melded so much with snowboarding influencing skiing and the skis getting wider and shorter and just more fun and easier to ski um they've really blended together it's yeah. it's you'd see it a bit more maybe here than in than in europe it's like skiing's a little less geeky uh nowadays but back then yeah snowboards there was less of them it became a snowboard shop but i'll finish the story round it off quickly is that like i was really young 
Um, my partner's really young. We worked seven days a week for a couple of years straight. And then finally we started taking days off and, um, our relationship fizzled cause I was 21. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and then, so I bought him out and I carried on cause he had some other ideas that worked really, really well. And, um, still in the mountain bike industry and that worked, that worked that I bought him out and he could roll on with his, with his other ideas and I kept it going and that, and now here we are. That like is I'm amazing. You're 27 or something like that now. Yeah. And yeah. it sounds like you, you weren't really, you know, it didn't fizzle you that much. Like you weren't that scared of making that move, you know, was it different back then where you, you know, if somebody was to do that now, they'd be freaking out, they'd be, <laughs> you know, but it doesn't seem to really have affected you like that. It didn't phase me at all. It was like looking back, it's quite funny, but I think it's just classic naiveness of someone who's 21. Like you just don't think about things too far, too much. And you don't even think that far ahead. If someone was to ask me like, how long do you think you had to have this business? I would like my honest answer would have been, Oh, I have no clue. <laughs> like, I <laughs> didn't really probably project. I started like a three year plan. Um, but I didn't have anything further than that. <laughs> yeah, wow. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, I did get, you know, a couple little loans, but nothing major. I really built it slow and slow and steady. It was good. Mm, yeah. Mm. Like, how have you seen the industry change since then? Like, what what are the massive changes you've seen come and go? Uh, there's, there's definitely a few. But I'm sure this is similar to a lot of industries, just more and more competition you know there's like more and more and more stores of course in whistler and then the growth of mountain biking like the the way it's just spread through everybody like i said like everybody mountain bikes now uh this is i mean like a, a whistler's a bit of a different place so like literally everybody mountain bikes here um yeah. um but even like um, around the world there's more and more and more mountain biking and more like there's always like a lot of riding bikes in the world, like for transportation and for, um, you know, exercise. But now the actual idea of going and riding on dirt is, is huge. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. it, it's a way to get out into the forest, which has been great to connect so many people to the, to the forest. But so industry competition, so more brands in there and then, um, sorry, I keep getting calls here. Um, there's it's just more and more and more. And then the the first thing that's coming to my mind when you say the biggest change is, is price of things. You know, things got a little more expensive and a little more expensive and a little more expensive. Mm. Three years. Holy wow. Um, components and frames are so expensive now. And it's because of that push, right? It's the push for every the entire industry to make things better and better and lighter and more efficient and work better and stronger. And, and as you do that, it, it is more expensive, you know, any, anytime you want to make something light and strong and work well, it's going to get more expensive. Yeah. And so I, I, I'm something in my head is wanting me to compare almost like motorbikes, you know, like dirt bikes the prices of those have only gone up, I don't know, like say 10, 15, maybe 20% in the past 10 years, whereas mountain biking has tripled. Like yeah. 
they're three times more expensive now than they were 10 years ago for sure double right but like the yeah. high end and uh like even the low end you know you used to be able to go and buy a bike for if you're just gonna commute around not mountain bike maybe 600 bucks whereas now for sure you have to spend like 1200 bucks you're just gonna commute to school yeah it does not you know high end bike oh like philitos yeah like you know it's the same here you know like i'm just after finishing an enduro race there at the weekend and i'm sure 60 or 70 percent of the bikes that people brought were more expensive than the cars they were driving yeah (laughs) absolutely you see that in whistler hands down because you think about the people who are coming here are usually in their 20s and for sure they're driving a vehicle that didn't cost more than three thousand dollars and for sure their bike costs more than three thousand dollars yeah it's crazy (laughs) like i i was up at one of the local trails not so long ago and i had my bike and my mate's bike on the back of my car and there was an older gentleman come over and he said yeah my my grandson's really into mountain biking and we got it charlotte and you know and he says are those bikes worth much money and i says well put it like this for those two bikes you could buy five of those cars <laughs> <laughs> it's so true it's so true. he just uh, i think he just walked away because <laughs> i don't know it's like you stunned him <laughs> <laughs> yeah um like it's crazy but people you, you know you'll know better than me but people are still paying for it right they're still buying the upper priced bikes yeah yeah i mean definitely like the the mid price i'm saying i'm like doing little like quotation-y fingers here um is more like six grand now and years and years ago like that was like the outrageously high price and so yes people are still spending like the six grand super regularly we're not selling heaps of bikes over 10 grand but absolutely the few every year and that's like the new high end just i don't want to say the number brutal like you know 12 to fifteen thousand dollars if you want all the crazy stuff right yeah all the bells and whistles for sure mm-hmm. um it's crazy like the e-bike thing is that taking off as much there well e-bikes are definitely rad um it's taking off yes but they're even more expensive yeah. and you know most of us want to have a regular bike and an e-bike there's there's a few people who are like, wait a minute, I don't need my regular bike once I have an e-bike, but they're really expensive. And, you know, we, we all want bikes that we can really mountain bike on. E-bikes are heavy. Um, me, I'm quite light. And so I really notice when I'm on a heavy bike descending. Mm, yeah. So then you want to get as light an e-bike as you can. <laughs> so light an e-bike, <laughs> you know, we're talking sub 50 pounds, please. Um, you're over 12 grand. And so, yes, it's taking off, but the price is still a bit inhibitive. Like, if they were less expensive, there'd be more people on them. And it's quite funny here. I hear people, like, whenever I hear someone, like, dissing e-bike, I'm like, oh, you haven't tried it (laughs) because it's pretty fun. But keep saying that because they're so expensive that you might as well (laughs) convince yourself you don't want one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. So it is. It is taking off for sure, but it's uh, they're really expensive. So it's hard to get the one you'd actually want to go mountain biking on. Yeah, like we have seen a massive growth in them here for sure. Um, 
you know, and you're right. It's one of those things. Like one of my riding mates, he's he's an old school. He's still on a hardtail, um, you know, and he still rides. Still a twenty six inch wheel, you know. He's old oh, no. school. I'm missing out. <laughs> um, you know, and there was one that we were at a trail center one day, and I my rim blew out, so we couldn't really go riding anymore. And um, the guy said, "Look, t- wait, there wasn't that long left as far as light goes." And he said, "Take a couple of those e-bikes, go for a blast." Now, Colin would never, you know, he always shunned the e-bike thing. I'll tell you what, you see, when we came back, both of us boys had big smiles on our faces. Absolutely. I always t- say, oh, you're going to get bugs stuck in your teeth. People are like, what? I'm like, because you can't stop smiling. <laughs> <It's> so <laughs> yeah. <weird. laughs> yeah, it's cool. Like from running a business kind of thing, do you have to kind of give more floor space to the e-bike thing? Is it something that you have to give more budget to, your your, your buy-in budget? Like what way do you manage that? Yeah, I mean, that's a super, super good point. Like it, we, I really noticed last year it did affect the budget. So our shop is actually quite small physically. We're only like 900 square feet. Plus I got a couple extra um, service small uh, spaces and storage spaces. But we actually don't stock bikes in the store very often. We stock uh, demo bikes. And so people oh. can go ride and figure what they want and we order it for them. Well, that is what we did <laughs> two years ago when all of a sudden you had no bikes to order. Um, and so we, we changed to that like maybe five years ago or so um, because I was just sick of bringing bikes in and out of the shop because we all of our bikes that we have for sale are outside the store. So, you know, you bring them in, you stack them along with our rental bikes in the store every single night. It's like we're, we're very, very careful, but even still in and out, in and out, they're always mm. getting little dings here and there. So inevitably you're selling the bike for 500 bucks off. And if it doesn't sell by the end of the season, a thousand bucks off. And then your margin mm. is like ridiculous. Like what a... It's so much money being tied up. And then so just like you said, you buy an e-bike. Now you're tying up so much money If in that bike sitting there. If it doesn't sell right away and you're not turning those dollars, there's almost no point in having it because it's um, you're just not turning enough for the amount of time. Like if you've got money tied up in e-bikes over three months, like that's not you could have bought and sold and turned over like armor and helmets and bike mm. parts, like no problem. So that's like, well business 101 there is turnover um but we did end up with a few e-bikes a couple of was it last year the year before because we ended up buying a bunch of some e-bikes for rental and then realizing oh my gosh rental's not going to happen now that it was 2020 so then we decided to sell them but then we have the santa cruz e-bikes that are super expensive and then they didn't mm. sell uh maybe we sold like a couple of them at the beginning of the season and then most of them we sold at the end of the season on discount um, and then last year I ended up with a couple again that didn't sell right away again because they're so expensive that people like they want it. But holy cow! I mean, even even if I'm giving someone a thousand bucks off, which is eating literally fifty percent of the profit yeah. on like a thirteen thousand dollar bike, it's still super expensive. Um, anyways, price for price, but yeah. So we we are uh, we're definitely noticing buying a few e-bikes ties up a lot of cash yeah like it it was crazy here over the um the covid thing uh like you you couldn't get bikes here it was just unbelievable like i know a guy that bought an e-bike just before covid hit he used it for 
well, he was telling me the guts of eight months, and then he sold it for more than he bought it for. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know, it was just crazy. Like, were you experiencing that as well? I'm sure you were. Oh my gosh, Gareth, we are still experiencing it. Like the bikes for this year, like um, every single shop here is not getting all the bikes they ordered. And uh, some of them, like some of the bikes we ordered for this year, we're getting them in July or August or even September. I was looking yeah. on the B yesterday. I'm like, oh, some of these say 2023 for delivery. So, yeah, the, it's absolutely still happening. Bikes are not coming in that we've ordered. And you know what? The e-bikes, the reason why we had some last year is because the only thing I, we could get. So I ordered a few just so we could have a few bikes on the floor for sale, you know, for display. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, we don't usually do it, but we usually have a couple on display. Um, and then we're sitting on them anyways, because <laughs> the e-bikes don't sell, but yeah, any, any bikes that we, any actual mountain bikes we could get, we could sell within a week. No problem. And we've, we've had a few come in this spring too. Um, and every time we get one, it's, it's gone right away. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's absolutely still happening. It is such a bummer because it's also feeding this price rise you know like the pr- the price is going up and up and up of course and uh it's it's sort of frustrating for me as uh, for tons of people right it's like well, this should be accessible but it's like it's getting pushed and pushed up 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 the pricing and there's stories about oh it's like the shipping is more expensive and the this and that and i t- fully get it but the, the way it's happening is a bummer because yeah did you experience that in the snow side of things as well a little bit not not crazy bad so i would say we were shorted about 20 percent of our orders yeah wow. um this winter which sort of worked out for us because you know we had about 20 percent less guests coming through the doors than we had actually even forecasted in a covid year um but yeah, not not huge. And a lot some of them we had a few things come extremely late too. Like I was saying about this summer things are come gonna come late. Um but yeah, it's, it's bikes seem worse because there is this huge demand for bikes. The COVID thing just just blasted the demand for bikes up. Because like I've said, everybody can mountain bike. Everyone yeah. in the whole wide world can mountain bike and you might as well. It's fabulous. Yeah, exactly. Whereas not everybody in the whole wide world snowboards. Yeah. There's slightly less demand there. Yeah. Like from your perspective there of being open for so long, um, and I think we all know now it's the components that we're struggling with for the mountain bikes, not the frames per se, but the, the components almost. Like, do you see that whole thing changing from the Shimano Shram kind of having the almost a monopoly on it? Do you see these smaller brands that that manufacture components is it an opportunity for them do you think oh it absolutely has been for sure and we're not seeing it so much at oem yet or at least i haven't noticed it It might be happening a little bit but definitely on the the retail side of like aftermarket components for sure we were selling through everything you know so you sell through all of the the SRAM and Shimano, and then we reach out to all the other brands. Have you got any brakes? Have you got any brakes? Have you got? Any <laughs> you know, um, and we were just taking whatever you can get, and then you sell whatever you have. Absolutely. So it has. It's been it's been really cool. Um, yeah, we've even seen it through like you know 
friends that have a small distribution company with a few of the smaller brands and they they were selling out of everything which was great yeah amazing so, yeah, there's always some positives to see the negative being the prices going skyrocket and the, the positive being more opportunities for smaller brands for sure yeah like do you think you know here we have seen a massive growth in the mountain bike thing as well um and you know talking to different people that are involved in the industry about you know when when covid's a thing of the past and it's just kind of a, a memory as much as it can be do you think you'll see a big drop off in the people you know falling out of it again going back to their normal ways do you think you'll see a lot of second hand bikes come on the market have you thought about that Mm-hmm. thought about it a little bit for sure and i feel that the the demand is going to be high for a while i think it's going to stay strong for a while um but then there might be a leveling a leveling and and there might even be a little bit of a drop off because bikes are definitely working very well these days and hopefully we're going to see things lasting longer seeing forks last longer and frames and everything um, as opposed to, you know, 10, 15 years ago where you didn't really want to ride a fork in year six. You wanted to take it off before it cracked. And um, so, yeah, I think that there might be a, like the, the used market might be strong, which is going to be great because, like I said, accessibility is is huge. Like that's um, the biggest negative with price, whereas if there can be more second hands, it's going to mm. be good. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it's going to stay strong for a while. Because there's still like people who are got into it recently and you know new to it. This their 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 fire is going to stay burning for a while. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. one of those things. Um, you know, and living on the coast here and being a surfer for years, it's one of those things. Mountain biking is very the same. That once you get into it and you get bit by that bug, it's very hard to stop. You know, you just and mountain biking just seems to be like that thing. If you start it, there's not. Not a large percentage of people give it up. Cold turkey, they always will do it to some extent. Like, do you find that over there too? Oh, for sure, definitely. And it, it's just so it's such a accessible sport. I'm saying not accessible due to price, but accessible because you can just hop on your bike and ride to the grocery store. You can hop on your bike and, and find a little trail to ride. Um, it's just right there for most of us. And even like I said, even if you're living in like a housing area and you're riding down the street, you're still on your bike. And that feeling of the air on your face, wonderful. <laughs> it's like, it's, it really is. It's, it's, so, it's so easy to go and do a little bit of it here and there. And mostly when people are you know, stopping their like actual mountain biking and climbing a lot, that it's due to like, you know, they're working lots, you know, they're, they're really mm-hmm. busy in their other day life, but you don't really lose it. You don't really lose your mountain bike abilities. You know, they're just always there. Yeah. That's it. That's mm-hmm. it for sure. Yeah. Mountain biking's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. It definitely is. Um, so the trails at Whistler then, no, um, it's funny when I look at Whistler, for some reason, it's always covered in snow. That just seems to be the imagery you get. But I know the way the mountains, like Blackcomb there, which is next to Whistler, is that mountain bikeable as well? Oh, yeah, everything's, there's trails everywhere here for sure. But um, specifically, Whistler has the park on it, so like the, the lift access park. But years ago, it didn't have the park on it. There was like it, trails, like 
some of the access roads that the maintenance people use in the summer to drive up the mountain when they're doing maintenance on the lifts and whatnot, those for years and years were like the amazing climbing trails and we'd make some descending trails. And so Whistler had a few and Blackcomb always had a few. And then when the park went in back in the late nineties, um, most of Whistler, they don't, they don't want you pedaling up and down Whistler so much like the, right. the patrol and whatnot. Right. It, it makes a whole lot of sense. You can't be climbing up somewhere where someone could be coming down. So Blackcomb has become the kind of climb and descend right out of the village and it's awesome. There's some gnarly steep trails on uh, on Blackcomb, and then there's a pretty great like I like to road climb. I'm like <laughs> I I can tech climb, but I like to put my head down just do, 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 do on the road <laughs> so you can ro- road climb up uh, Blackcomb. But there are trails everywhere. Like every single you can stand in the village and look 360 around, and there's gonna be trails on all the mountains. So not just Whistler Blackcomb, but across. Uh, down the valley, up the valley, across the valley, all the, the, the yeah, mountains wow. all around have trails on them, like everywhere. Can you use that big length to go on to level for your bike? No. No, they don't have any biking on Blackham. And so that that peak-to-peak links Whistler to Blackham. Yeah. So that and in the summer is strictly for sightseers. <laughs> oh, Blackcomb is, right? So you can't ride there. Uh, no, you can't uh, take your bike down any lifts on Blackcomb. Like you can't. Oh, okay. You can ride your bike up Blackcomb and ride down it. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, I shouldn't be like it's cause, like advertising this so much because I'm sure <laughs> that Whistler Blackcomb actually doesn't want people riding on Blackcomb due to like liabilities and like forest fire hazard and all that. But we do, we do it. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. <laughs> I don't think it's like. Uh, it's a commercial enterprise, right? Like they, like the land that we're riding on is operated by Blackcomb, Worcester Blackcomb. Wow, Vale these days. Good grief! Don't get me started. I won't start. I've <laughs> <laughs> um, seen, um, I've seen footage, footage of Squamish, which is quite close to you. Yep. That looks amazing. It's really neat. Okay, so we have Squamish, Worcester, Pemberton are our three towns that are close by. Um, So Squamish is closer to Vancouver. You drive for 45 minutes, you get to Squamish, and you're still at ocean level. So the ocean goes to Squamish, like the the town front's on the ocean. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then you drive up, you drive along the the rivers that are like the, the glacier outflows from Whistler. You drive up, 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 up. Um, it's about another 45 minutes to Whistler. And then Whistler is at, I want to say it's like 600 meters, 2,000 feet-ish. And then you drive back down to Pemberton. And you follow, and there's outflow rivers that are um, flowing from Whistler to Pemberton. So Pemberton is is quite a bit lower. It's about, um, oh, I think it's 600 feet above sea level. So you have... Three different zones, really close to, or sorry, Whistler to Pemberton is only like a 25-minute drive. It's 35 kilometers. Mm. Whereas it's like 50, 45 kilometers from Squamish to Whistler. So because you have these three different zones, but really nearby, you also have three completely different temperates. So Squamish, being close to the ocean, is warmer in the winter. They do get snow now and then, but so they're forest is ferns and uh, they do have lots of cedar um 
Uh, but it's more like ferny and dank and mossy and lots mm. of maple trees. So really dank, wonderful dirt there, like a bit squishier. They get muddier and you come up to a Whistler and we have a bit more, we're kind of a bit of everything, but we're a rock. We can get really dry, but then there's also kind of awesome sandy, uh, not sandy, but like the dirt drains really well in Whistler. Uh, but it's also a little more wet in Whistler. And then you drive to Pemberton, and it's quite a bit hotter because it's a bit more interior, and mm-hmm. it's quite a bit lower than Whistler. So it's hotter in the summer by usually like four degrees any given day. And it's dry. The land is so dry there. And the the a lot of the, the bike trails are in one specific area. This gets hammered by sun. And so it is like really loose, fun, dry dirt. And then Whistler, we have like is perfect dirt and then in uh squamish it's like a bit wetter and they're all really close so we are all like the people are driving back and forth all the time yeah the it just coast. looks looks an amazing area for sure it is it's like it, it's beautiful like all the green ferns and and then it's squamish is more similar to like the sunshine coast you see photos from like the coast gravity um crew over there and they have lots of ferns as well and like nice really moist ground i would be um too scared to ride squamish because you might you might bump into a sasquatch or something there (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i can't believe you haven't ridden here oh my gosh we are gonna give you a good time when you come (laughs) happy days happy days we'll have it all planned out you just show up with your gear and my crew will have you riding squamish with sir pemberton park everything Taking you out to restaurants. Yeah, we, we yeah. got you. Yeah, they might, you know, I probably wouldn't want to come home. That would be, that would be a, that would be a bad trip for me because I would be like, <laughs> okay, all right, how do I stay here? What do I do? <laughs> you can't, like I said, that's what our town's built on. It's, it's yeah. really like the vibe here because everybody that's here wants to be here. Everybody that's here rather than the kids that were born here to their parents that had this happen, they came here and they loved it so much they stayed. So everyone who lives in Whistler loves where they live. We all love it. And then these kids that are born to the parents that love where they live, they love it too. They know. Like yeah. they, I know. It's, it's yeah, the vibe yeah. is so good. And then all the tourists that come are so happy to be here. <laughs> it's like happy vibes. Oh, here. Classic, classic. Um, I had... Uh, Lynn Armstrong on the show, an episode, yeah. uh, that was around 200 or something. And she worked with you, right? That's right. Yeah, Lynn, she's rad. Just like classic, awesome person who came to Whistler, just fits right in perfectly. Happy, yeah. happy person. She's so cool. Yeah, for um, sure. Now, she was telling us about some of the other people that have worked at your store that are, you know, top riders now. Like, can you tell us about some of those guys? Yeah, we've, we've all, basically, everyone that works in my <laughs> top right. I'm not kidding, I have so many, like, insanely good mountain bikers. When we go up for, like, staff ride day, I'm so intimidated. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see, over the years, um, I've had so many, like, insane pros affiliated with the store that didn't work in there. But as far as working in there, so Claire Bouchard as well you i don't know if you've interviewed her but she you should she's fabulous she was like canadian dh champ for like three years in a row wow um she worked with me for about 10 years 
Oh, Christina, she's popular these days. Uh, Christina Chapetta, because she is Pink Bike Girl now. Mm. Oh, right, yeah. About 10 years. She's rad. I helped her get residency because she is American. And um, got her residency for Canada. She stayed with me. She's pretty rad. Uh, Remy Medallia worked for me for a while. Um, He's a good dude. He's really good. We make fun of him because he's classic Frenchie. We we caught him (laughs) like one time like during working hours with his shirt off outside cleaning bikes. He might have been cleaning his own bike. Funny guy, but he is a super <laughs> good dude, and what a what a rider! Oh, and it, so Claire, you have to watch some of her videos. The one where Remy's riding with her is—he just sees she is one of the best riders out there. Um, wow. oh, Chris uh, Kaverik—he worked in there a little bit. Um, mm. He's still around the shop all the time, but like our affiliated riders are uh, like. The list is super long. It starts with Brandon. Brandon Semenuk sponsored him since he was seven years old. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, then we've got like Thomas Vanderham, his buddies. We, you know, we take care of him if he needs anything. Matt Hunter. Um, we've got uh, Darren Bearcloth. We're buds. If oh. he needs anything, he comes to us when they're in town. And Brett Tippy, like I said, I grew up with him and. Um, if he needs anything where he'd be coming to us, um, oh man, it's a big list. It's a great, it's a great looking list. Yeah. And then like way back, like Timo Pritzel, when he was in town a couple of years in a row for, um, freestyle comps, you know, he'd come to us. Oh, there's this rad BMXer dude. I'm forgetting his name. I'm a fan though. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) We we have lots of like really core affiliated people for sure, like even like Galovich and yeah, um, yeah. yeah. My husband was a um, a filmmaker with the crew. They made the collective and like collective Rome and seasons. And so even though I already knew a bunch of the guys, like we got even tighter with them through him making those films. Oh, and then like. Uh, there was uh, Tyler Moreland uh, worked for me for quite a few years. He's a big rock shot guy. He was like up there, Canadian DH dude for a while. Andrew Shandro, he was racer for years. He's affiliates with us too. Then we got some new school kids like Georgia Astle. She's a Whistler girl. She worked with us in the shop and she's a she's a pro now she is going to be riding in formation everybody watch out for georgia our girl yeah, wow. um yeah it's just just being here it's just normal like we're just you know the people but our shop is really down to earth and friendly and rad we're all really passionate riders and i have like a a one of my top factors when I'm hiring people is I don't want to hire anybody who's like macho and mm. thinks they're better than anyone else. I want people around me and representing the store who are genuinely love riding so much. They want everybody else to have as much fun and, you know, have the possibility to be as good a rider as they possibly can. Like, that I don't want anybody <laughs> affiliated with the shop is like, I'm the best. You can't touch me. It's like, no, this is, I want pe- all my crew to be showing everybody as like giving as much information and helping them get the right gear 
um, and giving them tips to have the best time possible. You know, we have time for everybody is sort of my motto. So um, lots of good people. So the point there is like the when people come to town and they get to know our shop, they'll come back and they come back and they come back. So we also yeah. know lots of the pros that way too, you know, we're just, we're an easy place to, to come through. Like even Jonathan, my husband, when he was filming, he was filming with Steve Pete. So we had like Petey in like oh, one I... summer when he's in town, uh, you know, for crank work sessions and lots of other dudes during those times. Yeah. Uh, you oh, know, it's... Steve Smith was one of our crew too. Who Steve. was that? Sorry. Stevie Smith, our, oh. our well-remembered um, DH racer and all-time radical dude who passed mm-hmm. a number of years ago. Jordy Lunn was also in our crew. He passed. Oh, all of our amazing riders we lost. Kelly. Yeah, it's crazy. Kelly. Um, yeah, life. Yeah. yeah, totally, totally, man, totally. Um, so, like, as far as the future of Evolution Whistler goes, have you anything planned? Anything you can tell us about? Anything different happening? Let's see. Well, we are just always aiming for way more than uh, way more than ten out of ten. We're just it's it's we're I'm always pushing. I want everybody to be giving as good as service as possible, and so through that, we're hopefully you know going to streamline our like the our rental program and our service and just just a grade a grade like just stepping it up all the time so that's like my my desire and motto is just like be better be better be awesome but i i'm not very good at sitting back and like looking at like what what is the you know what is the 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 pie in the sky like what am i going for i'm terrible at that my husband reminds me he's he's actually definitely um he really helps me behind the scenes. People don't see him much, but he really tries to help me with direction and ideas and overall plan. <laughs> I still, I still have a hard time. I just want to keep having fun. <laughs> I want yeah. everybody to have fun. I mean, obviously, in order to do that, I gotta you know keep running a, a good business for sure. But just uh, I, personally, I want to get better at it. Um, we have we have four mechanics scheduled at a time these days, and uh, just optimizing, you know, turning over as many bikes as we can, keep people rolling as fat quick as possible, and just getting better, better at efficiency is uh, is my is my goal. And for for super long term, it's 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 hard for me to figure out what that is because I, I really have <laughs> a good time doing what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like, are you still in the store much? Are you still there? I, I'm around for sure. In the last few years, I've I've pulled myself off the schedule for the most part, um, and so I'm like the cover person. So I like to say yes to everybody when they're like, "Can I go take these days off? Can I take those days off?" It's the answer is always yes. I've I've never ever say no, and um, I always say yes. So I'm available to cover shifts. So I cover for people when they're away. I'm already stacked. I think I'm triple booked for crank work already. Our staff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because everyone's so excited about crank work. But so yeah, I'm around. I pop in so for. I, I I aim to be in there for like a three hour stop in, and I'm usually like behind schedule, and I'm only around for like an hour. But usually like sort of two to four times a week, I'm in and out, saying hello. Being there, I really like to be in like once a week for like at least four hours just to get mm-hmm. some of the 
you know, my touch on the merchandising and the list of things to do. And mostly I end up talking to customers the whole yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, I kind of know the answer to this question, but you know, when a lot of people get, or they change their passion, let's say, into a business. They develop their passions into a business. They lose a little bit of the passion for it, but it only seems to have grown brighter in you. I, I think that's true. I really do. I'm, I'm having more and more fun all the time. Like, I love work. Sometimes my family gets mad at me because if I do go in there um, and say, oh, I'll be home, I'll be home for dinner. You know, I'll, be, I'll bring home dinner. <laughs> and then at like 8 o'clock, they're like, where is dinner? <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah. Because I really am having fun. I just I I enjoy it more and more for sure. Yeah. I really do. Really yeah, wow. Amazing. Amazing. Well listen, I don't want to take up any more of your time. It's it's been amazing chatting to you. Um I feel I could chat to you for another couple of hours for sure. Uh, yeah, we're we're buzzed <laughs> for sure now. Like, give me a call. I can't wait for you to come, like in the summer, the winter. Oh, yeah. I've been listening to your podcast a bunch, so I do I do kind of feel like you're my bud already. <laughs> cool. That's that's awesome. That's awesome. Um I was going to say, yeah, like I you know, it's funny because I haven't really mountain biked outside of Ireland. Because yeah. when I tend to go somewhere, I always go snowboarding or surfing. Wow. Be- you know, because I'm either going to warm water that I can surf in in shorts, or I'm going snowboarding because we don't, we obviously don't get, uh, we don't get snow here. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I I can feel it slightly changing a little. You know, mm. I definitely can feel the 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 mountain biking thing starting to take over a little now. So, because I've well, got more friends doing a... it. Sorry, I cut you off again there. <laughs> You're okay. I, you know, I've got more friends mountain biking now. So, mm. uh, you know, it's a yeah, social thing for me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But you could come here and say like September, late later September, um, a mountain bike for like a week, and then head over to Tofino. Have you? I mean, you cold water surf in Ireland, right? So you have like yeah, five mil, four or five suits yeah, yeah. and stuff, and and go and do a little Canadian um, surf experiences. That I believe the waves start kicking in like later September, October. Yeah, I think it's similar to here. We're the same here. I think we kind of, mm. yeah, works the same. Oh, so you don't want to miss your season there then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I would miss it elsewhere for sure. <laughs> like experience somewhere else. Definitely. Yeah. yeah oh, we'll, we'll communicate more about that. I'll bug you. I'll, get, yeah. I'll, get, I'll, I'll keep the bug in your, in your ear and your thoughts <laughs> to get over here. <laughs> yeah, like we have definitely. Now, you can blame one of my American friends because I, we, we had planned to go to Whistler. But he's from Utah, and he said, no, the snow's better in Utah. You have to come to Utah. So we went to Utah for three weeks instead. Oh, three uh, weeks? Yeah, classic. Sorry, when was that? That oh, No, that was, oh, that has to be seven or eight years ago, I think. Ah, okay. That's been a good while now. Um, but Whistler's definitely on it's definitely on our hit list. So you're you're going to get a load of Irish boys out there soon, I would All think. Right. <laughs> well, then the secret with uh, Whistler in the winter for you and everybody else is um, December. So, like, yes, early season, sometimes you can miss snow, but it is not, capital N-O-T, not busy uh, wow. in December until about December 20th. So if you come, like, December, like, 
between the 5th and the 15th in there, not busy. And um, and is the and snow okay you, then? Oh, you can get really good snow in December, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. yeah. And most people don't book their, bike, their, their ski trip, their snowboard trip in December because you know it's a bit of a gamble, and sure it is, but... Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. I, I don't need to give any, too many more um, words, secrets. <laughs> no, I'm I'm stunned because I just want to go now. So. <laughs> <sighs> no, because they see the the ski season here in Europe would be very hit and miss in December. You could go there and just never see a board. You know what I mean? So. That's yeah, I think you're like there's 75 percent good chance here. Yeah, well, so yeah, you do have like a 25 percent gamble that it could be you could be too early, but yeah, okay, well, wow, cool. <laughs> All right, um, there'll be lots of guys now on their on their laptops or whatever looking at Whistler and looking. At- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have we do have like mega performance bikes, and we we build them up custom all our downhill bikes. If anyone's thinking about common and you're like, oh, if you don't want to bring your own bike and you're only going to ride the park for like three, four days or so, um, sitting on one of our rentals is actually quite a radical time. We set it up. You can, we bring your, you can bring your own grips, bring your own saddle, bring your own pedals, whatever. And then we, yeah. we dial it all in for everybody. Wow. Cool. And the trail bikes as well. We have really performance trail bikes. So people want to come and you're doing a trip. You don't want to haul your bike all the way and then deal with it on the rest of your trip. We gotcha. Amazing. Amazing. I know you are very service orientated there for sure. So um, I'm sure it's, it's top notch stuff. Like, Yeah. And if you're bringing your own bike, we keep you rolling when you're here for sure. Happy days. Happy days. Well, mm-hmm. it's, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you, Janine. And, um, yeah, I, I, I'm super stoked and then I'm sad at the same time because now I just want to go to Whistler. So. <laughs> <laughs> You've sold it. You've sold it too well. Uh, but yeah, brilliant to chat to you. It's been an awesome time. Um, I hope your season goes well for you there and you get loads of bikers coming through. I'm sure you will. Um, yeah, we will for sure. Thank you, though. Yeah, definitely. So it's been a blast to chat to you and... Um, I hope everything goes well in the near future. All right. And keep right in touch, on. please. Please keep in touch. I will. I will for <laughs> sure. My new bud, Gareth. <laughs> <laughs> All the best. Have a good one. Okay. Cheers. Thank Bye you. Now. That's a wrap for episode 213, folks. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed chatting to Janine. It was awesome to get her on the podcast and uh, have a chat about Western Man. What an amazing place. And Janine, thanks so much for coming on, sparing the time. I know you're very busy there and uh, telling us more about your hometown. It sounds absolutely amazing. And I certainly will be knocking on your door as soon as I get there. So guys, if you want to know more about Evolution Whistler, a little bit more about Janine, just simply go to the show notes. You'll find them at mtb-tribe.com where there's a little bit more info there on what we chat about and you can also get quick links to Evolution Whistler socials and things like that. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to show your support, the best way is simply by subscribing, rating and reviewing us on whatever podcast platform you use to listen to your shows on. Your ratings helps boost us on the old algorithms and help spread the good word about the show to more people. 
We also have a website, mtb-tribe.com, where you can find the complete back catalogue, listen and download every show from there for free. You can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the show. If you want to get involved on socials, you'll find us at MTB Tribe on Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to get in contact with me directly, the best way is by old pigeon mail called email. You'll find me at info at mtb-tribe.com. One last thing before we go, please go and check out a new brand called Alta. Your support will be very much appreciated. You can find us at ridealta.com or on socials at ride.alta. As I say, we're an Irish-based, small, small brand at the minute, but we are getting more and more products developed and designed as we speak, and we're doing things right environmentally, etc. So I would really appreciate your support. And if you want a little bit more info and inside scoop, we are developing a new newsletter as well with blogs and everything else in there. So you'll find that also at ridealta.com. So thanks again. Thanks for your support, guys. Thanks for your support of the podcast over these years. And as always, I'll be back in a couple of weeks for another episode of the MTV Tribe podcast. But until then, as always, get the bikes out, hit the trails, and stay MTV stoked. <laughs>